Hello, welcome to That Geek Pod. I'm Catherine and welcome back after a very long break. But here to talk about the creator and probably other things is Chris Hall, celebrity artist Chris Hall from um, Scruffy Looking Podcasters and Andy Bell from guesting on Scruffy Looking Podcasters and Star Wars Spelt Out. Hello, boys. How are you going? Hi. Hello. Um, I'm very well, thank you, Catherine. Um, I've not been up long. When I got your message this morning, I was like, I better get out of bed, aren't I? And get myself, get my dog walked and get a brew in me. But yeah, I'm good. Had a lovely Christmas and it's lovely to see you both. Yeah, just to, um, for the people listening, it's New Year's Eve uh, in the evening where I am, um, but morning where the boys are. So we're spending our New Year's Eve talking about nerdy stuff. I mean, what else would you want to do? Perfect. Thank you for having me, Catherine. Yes, so it has been a while, but uh, the creator was something that did come out, you know, a few months back, but it didn't get a lot of fanfare at the time. I think with the writers and actors strike, it got it got a bit you know, side shuffled, but it has been released here on Disney+, Plus, but not quite um, in all places around the world. So now we've had you know, chances to see it, chances to settle in. Um, what were some of your first experiences seeing the creator? Now, of course, as you all know, big Rogue One fan, the creator was directed by Gareth Edwards. So, of course, I was going to see it. What was you know your thoughts about going to see it? Why did What prompted you to go see it? You, you go first, Andy, because you saw it at the cinema and I didn't. I did, and it was the first time that I'd um, I'd seen uh, anything at the cinema for quite a while. Um, and um, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I would say that uh, it borrows a lot of tropes from other films, but it's all wrapped up in a really original story, whereas there's some other stuff at the moment that's out there. Um, I, I don't really care if I get any hate from this, but for example, there's Re- Rebel Moon at the moment, which lends itself to so many other tropes that unfortunately it kind of takes over the story. Whereas I felt with this, it was an original story in its own right that had a certain amount of familiarity to it, which I really, really enjoyed. And as I said, it was the first time I'd been in a cinema for quite a while, um, because I tend to go to the cinema now when it's something epic, something that's actually uh, uh, worth, in my mind, worth going to see. And it's an event. Uh, And I thoroughly enjoyed it and came away a lot more surprised about how much I loved it than perhaps I was going into it. So for me, two thumbs up. Excellent. I missed, unfortunately, I I missed it at the cinema. Um, I don't know why. Because all my mates saw it, and I was like, they were, they were all telling me you need to see it. But anyway, um, during Christmas break, flicking through Amazon, finding something to watch as you do, and it popped up to rent. So I was like, clicked on it immediately. Um, I was like, Mrs. H, we're watching this tonight. She was like, What is it? I was like, Just sit back. This is gonna this is gonna rule. Um, so yeah, rent. It's always funny. Do you you know? Because you obviously we subscribe to streaming services. 
nowadays. I always like, oh, should I rent something? Like, you know, back in the day, I go to Blockbuster and like spend 25 quid on a weekend renting like four films yeah. for the whole weekend. But now I'm like, oh, £3.50 for a film? Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about... It's a bit stingy, isn't it? Yeah, so I rented it off Amazon and um, oh, I bloody loved it. And that's why I asked to go first because he's a lot more eloquent than I am and uh, uses correct words and described it really well. I just thought it was shit up. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, um, I went with... Josh Chapman of Star Wars Spelt Out and a couple of his friends and um, yeah, to the cinemas. I haven't been to the cinemas a lot this year. There were a few things going on and a few things I'm like, oh, I, I can't can't be asked. Um, you know, you have a few bad experiences at the cinema. Um, so the Marvels, great movie, but you know, someone spewed in the in the crowd. Ooh. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Oh. Did it smell? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. No, the, no the staff were out there with the sawdust, you know, pretty pretty good. But, um, you know, this is one thing. When you're at the, the cinemas, don't overeat. Yeah. There's no need to stuff yourself. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, still, the Batman was a worse cinema experience because that was just you know three hours of very bad behavior but um this is a great experience i'm just thinking earlier today that probably my best cinema experience for the year was mission impossible but that's i love the mission impossible movies i'm sorry i do but this was a really fantastic cinema experience and i did you know, my patented Catherine full body um, feeling it. So during certain bits, I'm sure you know which bits, I was hiding my hands, my face behind my hands, just shrinking down, you know. So you know, these these friends of Josh were like, hmm, so you're a bit scared during that bit? Yes. <laughs> a bit worried then? Yes. Yes. Um. But I loved it. I walked away just astounded. And you're right, Andy, that there are tropes in there, but I it just never let up. You know, this I just had a, a very quick run through earlier today of the movie, and it's just that it's so fully paced, like not fully paced, but just from bang, 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 bang. It just never lets up. There's never stops it is just tension 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 building all the time but yet it's not this an artificial tension like there for tension's sake it is it is just it's astonishing it's it's beautiful to look at yeah yeah and even when i even when i say you know it's lending it lends itself to certain tropes everything lends itself to a certain trope i mean the, the the films that we all on this on this pod love lends itself from certain tropes whether it's mythology whether it's whether it's from um uh, uh, uh 
various studies into into samurai culture and the rest of it it all lends itself from a certain trope or a certain story and um but the way that gareth did it was so beautiful it was absolutely beautiful in that it didn't lean too heavily on it to look like a to look like it was copying it in its own for the sake of copying it was just a story that that, that was really really good um you know sure some of it lends itself to Dances of Wolves, where you've got the oppressor that becomes the oppressed because he his mindset around the artificial intelligence changes magnificently when he realizes there is something there, especially when the main and I'm probably going into too much at the moment, but the 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 the, the main character who is supposedly the super weapon um, is a facsimile of his daughter. Um, which turns him around. So there's an awful lot of of dancers wolves there. There's an awful lot of um, of AI. If you remember AI in the way that the the West that creates the capitalist states that create the AI in the first instance are the ones that turn against it. And yet the more the more Eastern countries are those that that, that actually safeguard and create this safe haven for these uh, for this. Um, new life to exist um there's a it, it lends itself to blade runner you know in the question of you know what is life what does it mean in terms of being human um but i don't think it covers that into such a degree but it, it covers it in in the in the context of you know what is what what is life if it's artificially made isn't it still life i loved it absolutely loved it and and underline all under all of all of those similar things that we've seen in other other media there is this um really original story um that lends from tropes doesn't rely on those tropes which i think is the point i was trying to make i thought it looked looked lovely (laughs) (laughs) that's another thing that's another thing the way it looked was world class yeah, the way it looks was that, absolutely world away. class. Like as as a creative and a, a visual person, I thought this was just stunning, beautiful. And you um, know the story behind this: the guy, the guy, the guy did it for eighty million dollars. Yeah, what should no. have just been a, nothing these days. Yeah, no, no. The, the story, the story behind what I find more, most compelling about this film is the story as, as to how it was made, which is the reason why I absolutely adore Gareth. I absolutely adore him. It was made on a budget of no, he was under budget. Sorry, he made it for eighty million dollars because of his gorilla way, the gorilla uh, f- uh, um, camera technique that he uses, and that he films everything back to back, then edits it, and then um, implements or creates the FX behind once the the whole film has been edited, and that took what should have been typically a two and a half to sorry, two hundred and fifty to three hundred million dollar film to a budget of 80 million which i think is amazing and there's plenty of places that you can look at on uh, sorry that's mad look to on yeah on youtube and but that's that's his style if you remember the the way that um you know we'll never get to see the way that he made the original rogue one before the execs got in and they brought in Gilroy, which I'm not complaining about because, hey, you know, we all hail Andor. It's 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 the best bit of TV for forever. Um, but 
his style is very guerrilla. It's very handheld. He uses what they call prosumer, which is basically easily accessible cameras that are available on on the in the high street today for anyone, you and I, to go and purchase. And for the him, for him then to film the whole thing in this way, back to back, on location, and then tie the whole thing up together. So the only FX that he has to develop subsequently is the stuff that's in the final edit of the film. I think he's genius. And I think probably there's a few execs out there scratching their heads thinking, ah, maybe this is the way that we should build films going forward. But that story in particular makes me love it even more. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah, so you know, I've read and heard little bits about his background, you know, what he was doing before he made Godzilla and is it Monsters. That's the name of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Brilliant film, by the way. Monsters. The story behind that is great. Honest, oh, yeah. Do you, want to, do you want to talk about it, Chris? Because it's brilliant. Yeah, well, he, um, I forget where it's filmed, but where it had filmed, there was like some kind of tsunami or some kind of weather devastation. Um, so he's like, right, I'll just go and film there because that it won't cost me anything. And that'll look like the monsters have destroyed everything. So that's like a massive part of his budget and then he like you say again films it all in this like messed up environment and then puts the like visuals in afterwards am i right in that andy yeah no, he's a legend i think he's brilliant yeah i think he's and and i know a lot of people have said this but i would love to see his his version of of, of rogue one um because let's not forget despite all of the love that we have and should have for Gilroy, yeah it was, he was the one that filmed and created the uh, the corridor scene with Vader right at the end of, of Rogue One. That's his oh, and movie. the cape in the water, mate, yep. from the trailer. I need and to the see cape that. In the water. Come on. Oh, Epic in the water. Unbelievable that bit. I can't believe but... I'm the one that's actually going to Andor. Why? Why, why am I the first <laughs> person to go to Andor? It shouldn't be me. It shouldn't be me. Oh, you're just seeing all the. And or stuff behind me. Um, I've also heard before he did that, he worked in in television, and he, you know, he was like an assistant director, or he basically was doing special effects on his home laptop, and he was doing all of these little things all the time, and he really, you know, learnt as he went along, and he was doing special effects for these little television documentaries or television shows just cheaply because it's the BBC so he has to do it that way. But he just learnt how to do things um, cost-effectively. So I think that's how he learnt how to film big-budget movies is, okay, this is how how I can film it for the special effects that I'm planning, for the visual effects, sorry, that I'm planning to put in. And so he's already there while he's filming it. He's thinking about that and knowing how to construct it there on the set on the day. Clever guy, isn't he? Yeah. Clever. I've chuffed to bits as well because when, obviously, when Rogue One came out and we found out that, like, Tony had took over and finished off the film and then, like, Rogue One 
it's like how, how long ago is that? Six, seven years ago now? Yeah, 2016. Like, it disappeared, didn't he? And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I hope he's not been like blacklisted or anything because obviously he's a rad filmmaker because I really like his Godzilla film. A lot of people don't, but I really like it. Um, and then when I saw the trailer for this come out and I was like, yes, that's what he's been up to. Awesome. So yeah, I was I'm I'm gutted that I missed it at the cinema because I bet it was just gorgeous, like on the big screen. Yeah, I've, I've got a pretty big TV, but obviously it's no it's no cinema. But um, yeah, it, I I loved it. Like all the things that Andy said about the story, um, brilliant. I when sci-fi films aren't part of an existing franchise, I think there are sometimes they struggle. Um. And this, like the aesthetic and the world building, and I just found it really original. Like everything about, like it does borrow from a lot of things, but it is like Andy said. There's a certain film on Netflix that's just like stolen everything from things that we love, but this just kind of hints at things and makes it like really original. Uh, yeah, I loved it. The one thing that I kept, I. I out of, out of all the amazing things in the film, the one thing that I like marked out about most and literally jumped off the sofa was those bomb droids that ran with the arms and <gasps> yes. legs. Yeah. I was like, that is sick. Because I love droids and I've really got, like recently really got into like scratch building my own little droids and stuff, little models. And that, that just blew my mind. I was like, what an amazing idea. These little suicide bombers, like little droids. They were sick. It, it reminded they... it remind sorry to interrupt. It reminded me of remember the two towers. Yeah, guys. Yes, yes, yeah. When they when they run Uruk, yeah up the up the bridge to to take out the the sewer entry into yeah. into yeah, the, yeah yeah yeah. It reminded me of that, and I thought, yeah, that's nice. And it's a, it's yeah. a different way. So yeah, nice nod, but it's it, it's 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 Gareth's own design, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah, just. The design yeah. of it all. Yeah, but with those yeah running bombs, I thought, oh, why do you have to talk? That's a bit mean, <laughs> how they say. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to serve for you, man. It's like, oh, no, they're going to run and blow up. That's just sad. Yeah, Catherine, I thought that was think? really clever as well. Our, um, I'm not very good at describing things. How they got us to feel about the AI like robots. Yeah. yeah. Like that was really clever. I am a you know a sucker for a droid like B two emo. I mean he's he is all my feels like. God, like he broke our hearts in Andor, and yeah, it's amazing how just those right little hints make us feel everything for the droids or for you know, yeah, robots and things. But this was the thing about this movie: if when you look at it, every single shot must have had some kind of visual effect because all of the so the um, all the robots. What do they call the synth? Are they synthetic. Yeah, 
yeah, since. synthetics, yeah. Like they all needed visual effects to be yeah. there and it was all seamless and you didn't notice it. You, no. In by the end you're not noticing all of it. But the great and the great twist to to it all is that you've got this amazing and I was going to ask you Catherine what you thought about the acting. Um but but the great thing about it all is that you've got this almost benevolence of the AI which is we don't want to we don't want to have a war we want to live in live in peace with each other we want to coexist and they've achieved that in the east they haven't been able to achieve that in the west ironically who created them in the first place and then you've got this and then you've got this kind of um um fake news the fake mm. news that the bomb that went off in los angeles which wiped out los angeles which created the war with the ai in the first place was actually nothing to do with the ai and when that revelation re revelation sorry when that when that comes out it's like oh gosh so you've got not only did they not start the war in the first place it was bad coding and from the west in other words they created their own war and then we're putting this blame, you know, we're establishing this blame culture on the AI, very relevant for today, I guess. Uh, blame culture on the AI as to as to um, create a reason to to wipe them out, and then you see them surviving in the east, and I don't know whether that's Vietnam, the Philippines. I've got you know Thailand. I've got no idea where it's filmed, but it's absolutely stunning where it's where it's filmed, and they're living very very peacefully and have this very very pragmatic approach as to how they c can coexist with humans we, meanwhile the humans are going absolutely batshit crazy uh to wipe them out and, and have this unnecessarily unnecessary um hatred towards their own creation um yeah i loved it i loved all of that i loved all of that and um I hope it's not a, a way that you know we are going as a as a species, but the the fact that something that we created can be kinder than we are um, really rang true um, when I watched it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. yeah. But I was it's... going to ask you, Catherine, what, what yeah. did you think of the what did you think of the acting? Um, because there's a couple of shout outs here I've got, and um, I would love to know what you what you think of the people that that that, that had a key part in this film. First off, I've got to mention Alison Janney because I love her in everything, Brilliant. and again, she was great in a again a different role. Every role you see her in, she's different, and I love it. Alison Janney, you are amazing. I love you, even though you're evil or not evil in this movie. You're not nice, but I still love you the best. Um, yeah, I thought everyone was great. I thought everyone was fantastic. Gemma Chan, I'm glad she's, you know, getting more and more recognition because she was fantastic in that um, show Humans. Yeah. Did you two watch that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, she's, No, I've she's... not seen that. Come on, leaps! Mm. Oh, oh, dude, you'd love it, absolutely love it. I'm sure. I think it's on Channel Four. Uh, sorry, we'll take this offline. 
um, but <laughs> it's uh, it's on it's available on on UK TV. It's uh, she's she's superb, absolutely superb, and her the transition from should we say high profile UK TV to yeah. films like The Eternals, which you know like it or loathe it, it was a big step for her, and then into this, it's it's phenomenal. I think she's fantastic. My biggest call out is of course. Madeline or Madeline, sorry, unreal, yeah, unreal. It was her first ever, I believe it's her first ever. Yeah, she's only accredited on IMDb for 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 this film, and I thought that the way that she was just so genuine. Yeah, yeah, it was just so the final. Sh- in, uh, sorry, the final shot of the movie. Uh, yeah, like crushes it. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, she was rad. Absolute standout. I'm not too proud to admit I was in tears over that over that young lady's performance. She was absolutely superb. And I don't, you know, I I'm cynical about most things these days. I'm old and I'm old and warty, so I, I hate most things. But her performance was phenomenal. And the innocence and again the benevolence yeah. that she brings to her role. Superb, absolutely superb. Loved it. Yeah, she was amazing. And there was a lot of parts, like Joshua moves from place to place and interacts with a lot of different people along the way. And I think everyone did their roles fantastically. Um yeah, so, and everyone was, was great. Every little bit part meant something and and was meaningful. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I got, the, I, I, got the, I got the feeling that if you, sorry, sorry, Chris. I, I got the feeling that if you look at some of the, um, the, the interviews from some of the cast and crew um, during the, uh, the premiere, I, got, I get the feeling that everyone just wanted to make it work for Gareth, which is amazing. You know, it, it wasn't a job for them. They just wanted to make it work and they put everything they got into, that they had into into the production, which I think is a credit to Gareth and the way that he he treats people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, she was, she was amazing, the little girl. Um, yeah. Blew me away. I, that was another thing for like me and Michelle both said, this is the acting in it. It's like really, really good. Because again, it's like a standalone sci-fi movie that's not, it's a bit of a trope, isn't it, over the years that acting in sci-fi films is not the best. But this, this just felt dead genuine and dead real. Yeah. Like it was just, I like that when, when you're in a fantastical world, um, but you forget, you're in a fantastical world because it's it's portrayed so grounded. Yeah, it's portrayed so much in reality, and yeah, it just felt really real. I loved. I, I hope I pronounce this right. Ken Watanabe. Yes. He yeah. He was he was fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. He was brilliant. Um, yeah. And John and he, David Washington as Joshua. If he didn't work, the film wouldn't work. And yeah. he was great. I've never seen him in anything. I don't know what else he's been in. 
Tenon. Fuck Tenon. Uh, not, yeah, I'm not <laughs> um, <seen> that. <laughs> for, for that reason. For that reason. <laughs> so I've not seen it. I'm just looking on his IMDb. Tenon. Oh, Black Clansman. Yeah, Black Clansman. That's good movie. Um, yeah, he's he's been in, in, in a few things. Um, Catherine Neen, the first one to drop an F-bomb. Uh, Look, it had to be done. It was mentioned. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the sound drop for the ding, but we all heard it in our heads. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about the cast for a second. There. Uh, yeah, so Amar Charter Patel. I'm sure I've said that wrong, but he was uh, the like cop um, synth. Oh, yeah, the cop synth, yeah. Who mm. popped up a couple of times. I thought he was great. He's also in like the Wheel of Time, Willow, Bring Back Willow, um, yeah, and a few other things. Yeah. Fincher was in it, wasn't he, from The Office? Ralph Innocent, oh, oh. is it? He was like the bad guy, the, the general guy that got him in the army. Oh, it's yes, of course. Chris, Chris Finch. Chris Finch from the Arizona office. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's in everything. But, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's in, I think the first thing I saw him pop up in, like, outside the office was Guardians of the Galaxy, and it just proper threw me. It's like, Finchie! <laughs> <laughs> But he also does a lot of animation work as well. And whenever you hear his voice, it's like, yeah. I know that Scouser. I know him. Yeah. I know yeah. him. But he was really good. He was, uh, that was the, like the only thing that distracted me. And the Alison Janey, like I'd never, I've not seen her play a role like that. No. Like, so, like I always, the first thing I ever saw her in was Juno. She plays the mum in, yeah. in Juno. Oh, she's grading that. that. She's, she's brilliant in that. So good. So she was in The West Wing. I loved her in The West Wing. Um, Juno, she had a tiny small part in 10 Things I Had About You and she killed it. Um, what else? Uh, she was in that movie about Tonya, I, Tonya. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 She does so many things. But she's great in everything. Everything. She's just amazing. I love her so much. But um when you're talking about you know, the the acting, how making it so real really gives the whole movie that sense of realism. Look, lately I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos about Jane Austen adaptations. Um and then having whole, all these adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, looking at the same scene from all these different adaptations, one after another. Yes, this is what I spend my time on YouTube doing. I can't and imagine just, that at all. No. Oh, yes, <laughs> I have many Mr Darcy opinions. Um, but it's amazing to see this, evol- this, this evolution over time of the realism that, you know, these early adaptations, it was all very stagey and very put on, whereas you get to the 1995 one, it's just like, oh, they're acting real. It's it's like, yeah. like they're real people now. 
Um, and that's, I know it's a strange analogy, but a lot of, you know, sci-fi, they, they act weird or they, they don't ground it, but in the creator, yeah, they grounded it. They made it feel real. They made it feel lived in. Yeah. And I hope, and I hope that, um, well, first of all, I need to, uh, send an apology to, uh, Ralph because, I thought he was a scouser. He's not. He's from Leeds. So uh, my apologies. My apologies uh, to, to, to Ralph. The other thing was, um, on that point, I really hope, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but do you think they should make a sequel? Because I don't. No. No. I think they wrapped up. It, it, it's a little bit like, when I think about new sci-fi. Yeah good new sci-fi they're always standalone films i think about edge of tomorrow i think about oblivion i think about all of the neil blanc uh blanc films you know like yeah, um absolutely district nine I, 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 district nine um chappy uh the other one um elysium elysium yeah you're right yeah uh, and they're all standalone really good stories and the end and nobody's coming in and trying to take it over and turn it into a franchise. If they just stand yeah. out on their own as being, that's a really, really good moment in time. And then the next time that that creator may well create something else, it's something different. It's something else. Mm. It's within the same kind of style and the same kind of mood, but it's something new. And I, I really hope that they leave this as a, a moment in time that is a really, really good piece of, 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 of cinema history and then to give Gareth the opportunity to branch out and do other stuff, maybe within the same universe, who knows, you know, in the same way that supposedly Alien and Blade Runner are supposedly meant to be within the same, meant to be within the same universe, um, which is fine. So I think, but they're very, I very, never knew that. yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah, apparently, apparently, um, it, wow. if you go to, um, Prometheus. If you, sorry, Catherine, I'm railroading here, but but if you if you the, if the you, title of the podcast is that geek pod. <laughs> if you're not allowed to geek out, you know okay. I don't know where you'd do it. Thank you, thank you, my friend. If you if you if you look at the backstory behind Prometheus, um, um, Wayland, the guy that creates the artificial intelligence that's looking that that he he has a good friend which is Tyrell. Which is Tyrell from Tyrell Corporation, oh. so they're all they're both involved in artificial or artificial intelligence or or robot robots and androids or some kind Shit. of. Uh, they're all meant to be that there are references all the way or that there, there are sorry um, Easter eggs all the way through the the marketing material before the film was launched and during the film itself that suggests it's within the same universe. Although Ridley himself, I don't believe, has actually said it's the same universe. I don't know. I don't know. But I think that's kind of cool. Um, and what I'm trying to say with 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 Gareth is that um, you think about what Neil's been doing again with with um, Elysium, with with uh, Chappie, with uh, District Nine. They have this same aesthetic and this same um, this same kind of uh, 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 approach towards questioning yeah. the human the human. Uh, mor human mor morality and ethics, um, and they seem like they're part of the same universe, but they're but they're but they're individual films. And I hope that that Gareth gets that opportunity 
to 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 develop his his repertoire or his portfolio yeah. without having to without having to should we say be sucked in by corporate mm. corporate um yeah. uh, uh uh movie uh bosses to create to turn it into a bunch of uh sequels and sequels and sequels in an effort to 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 build a universe yeah well you know he gareth made godzilla but stepped away and all the sequel scenes you know i haven't seen them but from what i heard the first one was quite good but then the sequels have been uh, yeah yeah not as good as a uh, as a godzilla nerd they um <laughs> gareth is really good um Kong Skull Island is fantastic because they're all in the same monster verse. Kong Skull Island is absolutely just absolute popcorn fun. It's brilliant. Um, just carnage from start to finish. This, I like all the sequels, but I, I like stupid just sit down and lose myself popcorn and watch monsters beating each other up. Sidebar, I don't want to derail this because we're talking about the creator. The new Godzilla film that's nothing to do with the monster verse that Gareth started that Godzilla. The new Godzilla minus one that's made by Toho Studios, the original Godzilla studio, is I'm going to drop an F-bomb because it's worth it. It's fucking incredible. Me and Kev went to see it at the cinema and I'm not, a f- I was really worried because I'm not a fast reader and it's all subtitled because it's Japanese. Um, I thought I was going to watch a Godzilla movie. I didn't expect to be crying at the emotional impact that the story had wow me and kev were both crying at the um at this it was unreal absolutely unreal highly recommended it's getting ridiculous reviews as well godzilla is a tiny tiny part of it it's a film about the effect of war and the human existence and how we pick ourselves up from that it's unbelievable anyway back to the career well no that's a good segue because <laughs> i think that's what this film's about as well the yeah. creator, I mean, it, I mean, it's fantastical, but it's about it's about the human condition. It's about it's about how do we expect to be, you know, how we treat people and how we expect to be treated ourselves. And it's like, what is the meaning of of, of what it is to be human? Which I, outside of all the AI stuff that we're talking about, which is very topical at the moment, it's all about it's all about you know, are we worth saving as a as a species? Because quite frankly, we're pretty nasty to each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all relevant. Yeah. It's all very relevant. Good segue, dude. And and also it's about just you know, war, the destruction that war causes on the innocent, on the non participants, the industrial complex of war, you know, because the NORAD spaceship basically going through it sort of looking very clean and clinical, but it's just wiping out whole areas indiscriminately really and just killing everyone you think at the end when the aim is for norad to launch all those missiles it's just killing everyone in the path you know if they are wanting to take out the ai leadership as it were they're taking out a lot more people than just that it's it's saying a lot about the way war is conducted really 
yeah when you're when you're when your target is a small target and so the only way that you can be sure is to take out a wider a wider um uh it's make the target wider uh yeah very relevant to today right yeah absolutely yeah so you know i don't really want to go through it beat by beat i mean we've jumped around but thinking back to you know the start when you're sitting down and we see all these like old newsreel or old tv clips leading into you know the um inciting event as it were what did you think about that way to start did it get you into the world yeah i thought it was brilliant i loved that it was set further from our time now but the newsreel the clips looked like they were from the 70s or something i thought that was really clever and a great way to but i knew it was set in the future but i knew where we were going with this main story was further from that i thought that was a really cool visual cue um i love stuff like that when they splice little newsreels in as storytelling techniques i thought it was really clever and it didn't seem unnatural either. It seemed like a, no. you know, we know where we are today. We, you know, we've we've got we've got all of this intelligence around us on our laptops, our phones, our our exercise bikes and everything else. And it just seems a natural evolution of where we are at the moment and the way that we're interacting with AI and developing AI today, which needs um some governance around it. Um but but the point being is that it seemed a natural evolution of that and the story of AI being a benefit, initially a benefit by its creators and being seen as a benefit. Um, and then obviously being blamed for somebody else's, mis- sorry, a human's mistake, um, uh, which, which which created the situation we're in. It all seemed quite natural as opposed to perhaps other sci-fi where we're shot forward 50, 60, 70, 80 years in the future. And you don't know how, you don't really, you have to kind of, absorb it as being the world that we know it at that moment in time and there's no backstory as to how we got there this seemed quite natural um a lot of the technology that they used was is available today so it all seemed very very credible as to where we can be in 40 years time and even the the buildings so everything it looked because I'm sure they would have just filmed things in existing buildings, like not really done a lot of other constructions like like Gareth did on Rogue One, just going, ooh, Canary Wharf Station. That so, uh, looks yes. a bit Star Wars-y. I, I got some – there was one shot, I don't know where they were, they were, and it was proper Canary Wharf vibes. There were two things that were like Rogue One-ish to me. There was this one shot where they ran through and it looked like the station, and I was like, ooh. I don't know where this was filmed, but I don't know if they, they went back there or anything. But it did look really similar. And then, obviously, what's that? Is it NORAD? That yeah, the big that, that reminded me of the, the ring above Scarra. It's Nomad, yeah. isn't it? Is it Nomad? Nomad, is it? Nomad? Not, yeah. Oh. It was cool, anyway. Yeah. Whatever it's called. The big flying thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Super weapon. Yes, yeah, Nomad. But yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Yeah, 
<laughs> Only a few letters <laughs> off. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then we're moving to seeing Joshua in his day-to-day job of cleaning up, you know, after the nuclear disaster and, you know, it does give a bit of T2 vibes but it felt so real. Like it really, you know, like his co-worker, she was great. She had what? three, four lines, and she was fantastic. I forgot about yeah. that. I forgot, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, he he got to a point where he was so beaten up and he believed he'd lost the love of his life. And so, again, because he was fed the, the lie that the, um, that the AI were responsible for the bomb over Los Angeles, um, uh he was there with a purpose he'd been broken he'd gone on the mission uh where he fell in love with the person that was the target of his mission um fallen in love with that love with that person thought that person had died and um it was pretty beaten up and a hollow a hollow man when he um when he uh when we get to first meet him and so he has no he has no compassion towards ai he thinks it's a problem he thinks that they're that they are the reason why he lost his loved one, whether despite the fact that he was investigating her in the first place. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the way it all landed and, and hit the the foil, which was his partner at the time. Um, to your point, you know, she only had three or four lines, but yeah, all good. <laughs> really, really good stuff. Compelling, compelling watching. And there's... An interesting structure to the whole movie is in that a lot of it's told through flashbacks. We learn about Joshua and Maya's relationship through flashback, but there's also the chapter headings. Yeah. So was it I can't remember the first one, but then there was like the child. The the creator. Oh, I should have written these down. I knew I knew I needed to remember them. But visually as well, what I loved about that, rather than just having the words up on the screen, there was like tiny little graphics that you that you couldn't see, yeah. like couldn't read. And it's again, it's that world building. So it'd say like the creator really big in that nice clear font. And then down in the bottom left and right hand corners, there's like little graphics, like the same kind of graphics that you would see on the on the AI's like armor and things like that. And again, it it's just that visual world telling that makes it grounded and real. It's the same thing that Neil Bloomkamp does in his when he's creating his world. There's so much graphic design goes into it. It's unreal. It's not just visual design, but the um, like product design, physical things. It's the graphic stuff, like the flat stuff as well. Like I'll, not to geek out and sidebar too much, but the amount of graphic design that went into District 9 is unreal, you know, with all the signage and stuff everywhere. You don't really – I've broke that film down loads in my own head um, and watched it millions of times. I can't wait till this lands on Disney Plus because I'm just going to rinse it all the time because um, it's the kind of little things that I nerd out on. It's like the posters and things that you see in the background that you wouldn't – it's that thought that goes into that world building just makes it so much more real. 
Yes. No, you're right. Like putting effort into all of those details, whether they're seen or not, does lend the whole world that sense of realism. And yeah. Yeah, it's just so good. What yeah, are you, I, Andy? I, 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 just lo- I just love the. Um, I love the the chapter or the episodic way i love that kind of stuff i'm trying to work out that another film i i saw recently on um on netflix and it was leave the world behind and i've got a feeling that they also use the the chapters approach which i think is i think it's i mean it's very tarantino right in that yeah he'll have chat yeah. he'll have chapters in his films and and um um i just love that kind of storytelling in that you know exactly where you are at any one time and it may well flip from one one person's perspective from one chapter to another person's perspective in the next it didn't so much in this particular film um yeah yeah i I love that i love that kind of stuff i think it's anything that helps an old fart like me to be able to watch a film easier by having a screen written dialogue to explain where we are at this moment in time is a good thing yeah and he did it he did it with rogue one with the planet names, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Imagine, yeah he broke we the were all shocked there, when huh? we, yeah, we were all shocked yeah. when we first saw that, didn't we? I remember that on all the podcasts at the time being a big talking point. Like, ooh, what do you think about the the planet names? On it's a bit Marvel, isn't it? No, no, it's fucking great. I know exactly where I am, and it's it's yeah. Gareth style, and it's oh, I love Rogue One. Anyway, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> With Rogue One, there was no opening crawl to set up where we are, so we had to get it through dialogue. But also, yeah, with little, this is the planet we're on. But once it established that, it it stopped. But I think I, I think it was pointed out. Maybe Pablo pointed it out on his fantastic tweets that I look think at you, only- look at you, look look at you on first name terms now. Oh, he liked a tweet of mine today. I know, I know, I know, I know. Look at you. Look at you. Oh, Pablo. <laughs> Pabs. Pabs, we call him in the pub. <laughs> Look at Pabs. Um, I, th- I think he said that the place names for planets were only there if there was a member of the Rebellion there or someone like that. Oh, like they didn't do it for Mustafa, or they. Uh, I know we're all going back through at the rolodex of the, yeah. of the movie now. That it was only done when there was like a member of the rebellion or someone affiliated with the rebellion. Uh, either way, whichever way they decided to do it, it was pretty cool because let's face yeah. it, they did a lot of running around the galaxy in that first that first that first chapter of yeah. of 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 rogue one they were all over the place i mean the rings of kafreen it's like where the hell are you at the moment oh it's there in the bottom right hand corner fantastic thanks gareth no it was so important to see that when they're jumping around to go okay they are in different locations it gives it a sense of geography which to bring it back to the creator because except on earth we have our sense of geography we can just look around and sort of 
place it somewhat. Um, although this movie wasn't really placed exactly in a certain location, there was an ambiguity to where it was set, which I think was a good choice in that we can put our own perspectives on it um, because I think the location and the um, American forces being in that location sort of comes with its own um, analogy. You know, if you look back over the 20th century, um, yeah. Yeah. Looks... Yeah. Yeah, expertly done as well. Really mm. well done. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, we've I've stumped you into silence now. Sorry. That's <laughs> oh, good. It's fine. Um, I, I to be honest with you, mate. I I can't I can't wait till it comes out on Disney Plus. Yeah, because same. At the, uh, because at the moment, it, it feels like um, it's one of those films that I could quite. And there's very few these days that I do. There's a couple that that there's a couple that that Chris would laugh at, but there's very few films that I actually have on in the background. And this is one of those films that I stick on the background and just keep going back to over and over again to learn more and more stuff about it and to spot those, you know, that those, those, those tags that, that, that Chris was talking about earlier on. Um, and I can't wait that it's available on, um, on general release. And I'm probably too tight to spend the three pound 50 to rent it. But I can't wait until it's uh, it's on uh, it's on Disney Plus because this is the kind of content. I don't know about you guys, but certainly in my house, my Disney Plus subscription has gone up by over thirty percent this year from from last because that's the way everything is going at the moment. And this is the kind of con- uh, content that I will go back to and justify why I'm spending three or four quid more a month this year than i was last yeah. year because they're creating new content like this it's it, it's 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 a phenomenal film and it's um and like i said and i'm sorry to repeat myself <clears throat> but i will um and that is um there's an awful lot of high profile directors that probably have more accolades and kudos than gareth edwards out there in the market mm. at the moment that are doing their own take on science fiction, science fantasy, whatever it is, that don't come anywhere near what Gareth has achieved with this film. No. Agreed. Drop. <laughs> no. Just aesthetically, it's leaps and bounds above what I have saw of the other movie I think you might be hinting at. Um, yeah, my Disney Plus is getting a a bit of a workout because here in Australia we're in somewhat lucky position is that with our Disney Plus comes pretty much all of the Hulu content as well. Yeah. But also for the first time we've now got Doctor Who on it. So, you know, like I, I'm going to Disney Plus for Star Wars, Doctor Who, the creator the artful dodger that I've just started. Um, there's a, a fair variety on there for for me. Um, yeah, it is odd watching 
Doctor Who on Disney Plus. Like at the end when it's like the coming up next season and Disney Plus logo comes up, I'm going, oh, okay. Yeah, but look at the pro- – I'm with oh, you. The production. I, I, oh, the, I, yeah, I, the production. Oh, yeah, the production. I'm with you. and I'm You just, see the um, money. Yeah, I mean, look at the production values of the last, the last four episodes. It's like, holy crap. That is it, – it, we're in a different world. And they haven't Disney-fied it, which I think is a good oh. thing. Um, so if that means that we get really, really good Doctor Who content going forward compared to kind of um, what we've perhaps had in – in, in recent years, which I've really enjoyed. I've really, really enjoyed, but it hasn't been for everyone because it's lost its it's lost its consequence. It's lost its snap. It's lost its kind of um um impact and 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 uh, uh, uh relevance. Um but but if that's what you know if getting Disney involved it means that we've got more money to spend on some really cool stuff like this. I mean the Christmas I don't know if you watch the christmas day episode guys but it was phenomenal it was absolutely brilliant and there's a bunch of fanboys out there they're gonna hate it and even and because of that I'm gonna, love it. I'm gonna love it even more it's, it's it's really good stuff really really good stuff sorry I, we went off a tangent my fault creator on disney plus soon please <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I get the creator is one of those movies. It came out with very little fanfare. There was I can't remember seeing very much in the way of advertising. You know, some of that is because it came out during the writers and actors strike. But you know, like I didn't see many billboards or anything around. And then just you know, not that long ago I turned on Disney Plus and Oh, the creator was in the um, you know, upper third. I'm like, oh, okay, it's on Disney Plus now. Cool. But, yeah, it's it's not really getting the publicity that yet maybe some other films get, but I think it punches above its weight. And, you know, that $80 million investment's looking pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um, I think it's a slow burn, and it's. I think it's a cult classic that's gonna in years to come it'll find its audience, like many films have over time that have done nothing at the box office or had much fanfare when they came out. Um, I think it's phenomenal. I've only seen it once. I'm just watching the trailer now as I'm talking, and it's just <laughs> fucking. It's just gorgeous. It's absolutely stunning. It's a bloody ripper, mate. As you guys would say, um, it's a corker. Yeah, I think in the, this is going to stand side by side with Aliens, um, District Nine, fucking even Terminator. I think this is a sci-fi classic. Big words from Little Chris. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd agree, and I'm, I'm gutted that Gareth didn't get the support executive support that he needed to make this film more public when it was launched and i i i hope that and i I get it i get big business you know i get all of that kind of stuff in that oh you know there's a lot of stories out there about gareth having to be saved by tony gilroy in rogue one it's like well mm, 
did it need to be saved or did you just want it did you did the executives want uh, uh rogue one to be a certain type of film as opposed to what was being developed at the time um and i think that to your point chris earlier on in that you've got you've got um you've got gareth that has kind of been on the sidelines and it's like oh god has the guy still got a job of some sort for the last yeah. couple of years because there's been no no, no noise and i think that I think studio executives, and I could be out of turn here, but you know, and and uh, 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 you know, forgive me if I'm completely wrong, but they'll back a a, a, a sure bet. They'll they'll back a sure bet, and unfortunately, you know, with the the what we know of the way that Rogue One was produced and the way that it was it it, it kind of was was handled, should we say, by the studio, there's not a lot of probably and again i'm speculating i reckon gareth probably didn't find himself with an awful lot of sorry public support i think he had support but he didn't have a lot of public support and i think after this he's got every single right to start demanding some some conditions from those studios that may or that or the studio that may not have um put as much money into this in terms of marketing it than it deserved at the time. Yeah, I th- I think he was very hard done by with how public it was that there was, you know, rewrites or reshoots yeah. or at least I think Gareth filmed an awful lot and what Gilroy did was tighten it up. I think from what I've sort of seen is that, there was just too much in some ways and he had to help to tighten it up and focus like the last third type of thing because that's what you sort of read, that there was, um, you know, running from one tower to another tower there on Scarif and they've sort of condensed that into one thing. But I think Gareth was a bit hard done by with a lot of the stories or things that were out there because you think even in the boys in the latest season or something in the opening opening episode there was um a bit where you know one of the voice executives is taking the director of a um you know was it the the was it the seven movie into a bathroom stall to do stuff um and she said to him you know if you tell anyone i'll have you replaced by tony gilroy um or words to that effect he's like really are we having to have to have shots at gareth yeah like doing stuff like that is doing gareth a lot of disservice because i'm sure that he had to also put up with some I'm sure there's a lot of stories back there, but he's kept his mouth shut. All these years later, he's kept his mouth shut, not said a word, and it's showing some class, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, his 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 um, his um, his response is in the quality of the work that he's just produced. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't get any more classy than that, right? I mean, at the end of the no. day, your response to any kind of is like, well, this is what I would do if I was left to my own devices and, and just left on my own and create my own stuff. I think the problem with Star Wars is that it's, it, it is what we've had for, you know, for, for quite a while now is that it has to be micromanaged because it's a massive franchise. And, mm. and you know, it, it, it's, it, if something doesn't feel right to one one creator or one one executive within the organization it, you know a, a team of a gazillion people come in to fix it and as we saw with some of the stuff that we've talked about over and over again as friends um you know sometimes that doesn't work because it, it, it's it's micromanaged to a point where it becomes diluted to nothing it's 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 it's, it's, it's a non-event whereas mm-hmm. you know going back to the original concept of of what was being planned for the star wars stories was was to give these independent young exciting directors full ownership of their take on what star wars would be which we haven't seen we haven't seen that we didn't see that in rogue one despite it being a magnificent and still my favorite out of all the new films we didn't see that we certainly didn't see that in solo it became a good film despite whatever chris hall thinks it became not seen a good, it. Not, not, good, not heard of that film, mate. <laughs> a, a good film, um, but it is it is safe. It's a safe film. It's a swashbuckling uh, um, romp in the Star Wars universe, which doesn't particularly push any boundaries. But the point being is that is that where we've got these, you know, when we've got these uh, uh, exciting directors in, we've tried to control them because the 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 the, the the brand is bigger than almost to a put the brand is bigger than the content that's being provided. If that makes sense, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's too. And, and in holding that philosophy, we don't perhaps get the most exciting stuff or revolutionary stuff that perhaps we're all looking for. Anyway, sorry. I think going back to, and I keep repeating myself, Gareth <laughs> has done something amazing here. And I hope that there's a lot of people that are knocking on his door at the moment and uh, ringing him on his phone to say, come and work for me, because I tell you what, given giving you free reign to do whatever you want, you some pretty trick stuff. Absolutely. Brilliant. I wish the dab for not not to take this into a Lucasfilm like dissection, but I just wish they'd have more uh, for want of a better phrase, balls, because the fucking the sorry the fact that Guillermo no. del Toro's Guillermo del Toro's just come out recently and said that he had a, a jab of the hut movie planned. Um, oh. like, can you imagine how oh, like that? Just the thought of that blows my mind. Like if as a, as a big as a big Tolkien fan that like that one of the the biggest. Um, things that i never got to see was his version of the hobbit and it just got Guillermo del toro doing a jab of the hook gangster movie damn why did that not get greenlit like immediately as disney as soon as disney bought anyway the creator's brilliant i um, loved it <laughs> uh, gareth is uh, clearly a clever lad um i hope he gets lots and lots of work following this I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, the world building on this film is incredible. I hope he carries to, carries on to make these kind of films set in these kind of universes, uh, as Neil 
Bloomcamp has done with District 9 and Chappie and so on and so forth. Yes, great. Two thumbs up from Chris. Can't wait for it to drop on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to rinse this. It's going to be on all the time. Um, when I'm drawing and creating stuff, Rogue One's always a regular in the background. Um, I think this is going to replace it for a while. Dude, out of interest. Borgullet. When was the last time you bought a, a DV, uh, uh, sorry, DVD, <laughs> a VHS? When was the last time you, uh, you, you bought a, uh, a Blu-ray? Oh, a long, long time ago. I've I've ordered this one. Have you? I have I, I have not bought a Blu-ray since. Um, all right, Rise of Skywalker because I need them. I need them in in my library. Um, Don't own it. A, a Blu-ray <laughs> since then, and I've I've this is this is the only film in the last what is it? Uh, four years, four years. The only the only one in the last four years that I've ordered on Blu-ray. So there you go. I okay. think the, the last Blu-ray I bought, sorry, Catherine, um, was was that film that I've allegedly not seen, uh, that I don't know <laughs> anything about. Uh, I honestly, I think that's the last Blu-ray I bought, is Solo, yeah. I, I did buy the big, massive, you know, 27-disc Star Wars thing that I sort of opened up and then went, I don't know how to get the discs out of this without, you know, tearing... <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Look, it, it it was locked down. Of course, I bought it. Um, I've bought. That. I did. Don't, don't even own a Blu-ray player. Uh, a um, I did <laughs> buy the Blu-ray of Emma, the 2020 Emma, and you know I've I have physical copies of all of Jane Austen because stuff like that not on streaming services. I did go looking today in local shop for a DVD or something of Michael Clayton, um, which is that uh, Tony Gilroy movie that I keep hearing great things about, but it's not on streaming here and I can't find a physical copy. Um, I, you know, quick search on Amazon. It was only like US um, DVD versions I could find. Like I cannot find this movie. And it annoys me that I can't find it. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've I've got all the Star Wars on physical. I've I'm thinking about ordering the Mandalorian just because I'm a sucker. But um, of course, they are no longer Disney are no longer releasing physical media here in Australia, so we have to get it imported. Um, from like the UK so we can play it. Um, so yeah, that Mandalorian will cost me, I think it's 74 Australian bucks. Just... We'll sort you out with that. I was going to say, just, just, just write a shopping list and we'll, and we'll, 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 we'll save it all up over a year and then send it to you in one bundle. What, what I need though is for when they release and or. I need, I need that. I cannot stress enough how much I need that. Catherine, Catherine, you know you're going to, about, going to get about half a dozen copies <laughs> sent to you because everyone, <laughs> me, Chris, Kev, 
Craig, everyone else in the UK is going to bounce on it when it's released and send it to you. So you'll be fine. Don't worry. I, you know, we're to you know throw out a phrase that we say we're a lucky country, but um, geez, we get asked sometimes like, why don't why aren't we getting the physical media? Like, come on, we're as suckers. We'll buy it, Disney. Has that been come announced? On. Is is Andor coming out on Blu-ray? Is it? Is that a thing? Well, they've got. I think they've said they'll all come out. Maybe I've just um, <laughs> I've just gone. Well, they're releasing Mando season one and two. They've got to release Andor. Um, you know, you make sense. You maybe after season two comes out, but yeah. yeah, I I want it, especially after the debacle that was the Willow release. Like, I, you know, I'm, I wasn't. I liked Willow. I wasn't a huge, massive fan of it, but you know, the fact it was on television for. They're on Disney Plus for what six months, then they took it off. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's, After I, spending I, all that time, I never watched money it. making it. I don't, I don't yeah. know for for what reason why when it was coming out re, being released, I, like I never got around to watching it, and I was like, oh, I'll just binge it all in one go, and then before I know it, it's gone. Mm. And I bloody love Willow. What an idiot! Yeah. Well, it was it was it was it was good, but it was very very different to Willow. It was it was it was yeah. done in a kind of it was um, you know all the the, the the settings that you know and love from the original movie, which everyone you know everyone um, has a lot of nostalgia over. But it was done in a different way, which I thought was really really quite clever, and it modernised the whole thing for a new audience. The reason why it got so much crap as it did because it was the people that watched it in the original in the 80s that expected the same kind of thing to come out again it's like well it can't be because <sighs> our children our children and our children's children have evolved since yeah. then they they see beyond you know and they're they're in the, and it, i i really enjoyed it and i'm really gutted it hasn't hasn't got any legs to go forward mm. because um they left it on a bit of a cliffhanger yeah like they left it on a cliffhanger and they Definitely left it with an implication that there would be three seasons. And, you know, it's one thing to go, look, this wasn't successful. We didn't get the views. We're not going to make any more. But to then just pull it, that's the thing. I just, I know it's some kind of tax write off or whatever, but it's just unbelievable. But again, it's it's a little bit like the way that they. And I know we're going off topic here, but it's kind of all it's all stuff that you you know we all like here. It's a little bit like the way that they assumed with um, Indiana Jones, Dollar Destiny. It's like assuming that this is the it's here. So if you think about with Willow, they they didn't market it beyond a bunch of um, stuff at fan events. And a bunch of um, behind-the-scenes um, fun 
that Warwick and the rest of the team were having. They didn't really go beyond that. It's like, oh, do you remember this? Oh, we're bringing it back. It's like, well, yeah, but you've got a new audience that you need to appeal to. What's the story of Alora Dannon? What's the what's the story? You know, what, what? How does this have context? And just threw it out there because thinking that the the original love towards it in the older generation would would drag the whole thing through. And it's exactly the same with Indiana Jones as well. I mean, I, I watched, um, I think I think you guys saw, you might have seen my message on the Discord. Um, I watched Indiana Jones uh, again for uh, over Christmas because I've, I've had some time off. And it's a great film. It's a really, really good film. And I'd forgotten how good it was. Um, but again, it was kind of like, it's Indiana Jones. It, back to what we know. It's like, well, yeah, but my children's generation and their children's generation it's like they don't know what the hell you're talking about it's it's yeah. some really weird really weird decisions on marketing and and and, and launching a launching media going on and with that thing of our media landscape now is so massive because yeah. let's face it you know when we were growing up you had what four channels five maybe four channels yeah and the the video rental place you could go to once a week or whatever um and that was it so there wasn't a lot of competition for watching things so you know if when things came out you you watched it but now you know i'm looking through the or i'm going through the the stuff that you know, I haven't watched or going, I've gone, oh, I want to watch that, I want to watch that. It's like I've only just finished Mrs. Davis and that was fantastic, yeah. you know, and I didn't watch it at the time. I've got like one and a half seasons of Barry to to watch, you know, I've stopped for a reason um, and, you know, there's things like Severance. I know I'll, I'm – going to really like that but I haven't even started it there's just so much out there that you, it's hard to get that cut through to get people to start watching it and I don't think with Willow or with the creator they were making the bold enough statement or a strong enough statement to say hey you know pause that con that other media stuff you're doing come look at this new media or yeah. this new TV, this new movie. Um, yeah, it's, there's just so much out there. It's, it's God, there's just so many shows. It's, it's overwhelming. It's mad, isn't it? Every time I go, I'm like, how many, how many films a week do Netflix release? And they're all shite. Yeah. Absolute dross that they just pump out. Just absolute... There fucking Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. Yes. How Scott good Cam was that? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It won an Emmy yeah. for Best Outstanding Children's Programme. The day after it won an Emmy, cancelled. No season two. Netflix, knobheads. These executives, they don't know anything, do they? Should put us in charge. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, you slow... I, I love the shows, but it's like slow down or at least pace yeah. them out a too little much. bit, you know. Yeah, it's too much because... Or at least or at I, least leave I, them or, or at least keep them there so that you can create a library for yourself that you yeah. can pick up when yeah. it gets quiet. 
we're about to go into a really quiet year. You know, there's, there's, I mean, we have been blessed with what we had in 2023, but we've already seen, and I, you know, I don't want to get you down, uh, uh, Catherine, but, you know, we've already seen there's an awful lot of schedule stuff that we were looking forward to in 2024 being pushed out to 2025. So there's going to be a lot of dead time where all of us are twiddling our thumbs and thinking, what can we watch? Why get rid of content? Why get rid of content when they know? We're about to go in a day, into a period a slump with the yeah. content that we that, that that we want to want to see. Now is the time, twenty twenty four, where where we see the impact of the strikes. Um, uh, you know, we've got a good four or five months there that we can start consuming everything that we've been meaning to to, to catch up on, but we can finally catch up on it, and it's gone. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. It's a bit, a bit about money, mate, wasn't it? It's just knobheads, mate. That's all they are. They're just bothered about money. Yeah. But like yeah. you say, there'll be some tax write-off or some shit. Yeah. 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 Mind you, Disney Plus, if you want to make another season of Imagineering, please, I'd watch that. I've watched this one season twice and I nearly started it again for a third time the other night. So more Imagineering. Story, yeah. please, or at least Netflix. Our the or at least our behind the scenes of, of Andor. Yeah, yeah. Where's, oh. where's that? Where's that? Yeah. Thought we Maybe that'll be on the train. that'll be on the Blu-ray. That'll be on the Blu-ray oh. box. Oh Ex- yes. I miss all the extras, you know, because you don't. Yeah. Like, they're all like hidden and shit. Is there anything on that creator Blu-ray, Andy? Is there like? I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. I think I've read somewhere that yeah, there is stuff on there. Um, because yeah, I used to love you know watching the movie, then watching yeah. the director's commentary of the movie. Like that yes. was the best. And all the little don't don't even get me started on the Lord of the Rings documentaries. I probably watched them more than a movie. Oh. Unreal. Amazing. And the beginning, best documentary ever. Well, if you want looking for stuff, yeah, I'm going to put this plug in there, especially for you two, Survivor UK. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they haven't had a season in the UK for 20 years, so it starts slow because they're kind of explaining things, but it gets really good. And I'm a seasoned Survivor watcher, really liked it. It's quite good. <laughs> it, I, 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 sorry, forgive my ignorance, Catherine. I don't know anything about the Survivor. Yeah. So back in 2020, 2000, the first season of US Survivor went to air. Yeah. Um, 16 people divided into two tribes competing against each other each week. A tribe lost. They had to go to tribal council, vote someone out. Then at the end, final tribal council. Once they the two tribes come together, emerge, when you get vote someone out, they go to a jury. At the very end, final tribal council, the people left have to 
talk about why they deserve to win. And the jurors then vote who wins a million dollars. Millie? It is a social strategy game. Yes, there's challenges, in, like physical challenges in there, but it's a social strategy game and it's really good. I've We've just finished the uh, 45th season of US Survivor. Jeepers. Yep. Is there any yes. robots in it? Is there any robots in it? Oh, there's a robotics expert. In season 37, David versus Goliath, that is a great season. <laughs> oh, Mike White. Mike White, who wrote The White Lotus, he was in that season. He was a contestant. He was really good. <laughs> I love it. Exactly, exactly 37. Don't forget that one, Chris. That's the, yeah. one, that's the one to pick now, up. Now, now I've got to double check that David versus Goliath, that is a very fun season. But um, Australian Survivor is really good. And the UK Survivor actually took a lot of um, cues and things from Australian Survivor. And it's actually because of Australian Survivor that they started the UK Survivor again. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're into it then, yeah? Yeah, real. I'm, I'm proper into it. I'm 45 seasons deep on, Jeez, you know, US Survivor. Um, so I can't commit to anything like that. That just terrifies me. Uh, look, there's times where I'm like, oh, God. Because, of course, there's podcasts that go along with it. Yeah. It, you know, so we're in the off period now. Um no survivor for a few for a while. Australian, no, no Australian survivor till February. But then, you know, US will be starting again in March, and it'll all be on again. But yeah, it's it's a lifetime commitment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm stuck now. This is my life. So you, yeah, you Star saying, Wars, what, trained what is- survivor, cats. That's it. Perfect. Sounds like heaven. Yeah. So what you were yeah. saying is that Chris and I should get on with the UK one, not go back over the US one, because um, I'll be dead by the time I finish that. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I think the UK one is good because it does introduce a lot of the elements really well and they explain it because they know they're talking to an audience that don't know what things are. Like they don't know what an immunity idol is and, and all of these things. So it's a good one to start with. Um, and it was really interesting to see strategy evolve. They dropped it two episodes over a weekend, like on a Saturday and Sunday night, like, like one episode Saturday, one episode Sunday. So it was really interesting over that growth of um, of the weeks um, to see it all evolved the, the strategy and things and the understanding of what the game is um yeah it, it's good it's good fun cool. so if you if you want to watch a reality television show or, or a competitive game show it's it's fun did you, so you, know what, you can did, you, you can always you can always come over to, to mine or chris's place uh, when you're next over in the uk and you'll see a really good reality show going on 
in real time. <laughs> I get the feeling that it's the same with Chris as it is with mine. It's it's bloody chaos. Oh, it's mad here, mate. Sorry. Sorry, Chris, you were saying. Uh, oh, did you finish the crown, Catherine? No. Um, Mum and I started watching that together and... So we got partway through season three. This was years ago and, and mum just sort of not sort of lost interest. We then lost then sort of lockdown started so she couldn't come over to watch it with me. Yeah. Um and then yeah. Um but I've sort of read some stuff about that last season and, and heard Emily's thoughts on it. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine with not coming back. I did start Bridget. I did watch all of Bridgerton, though. I I held out for years on Bridgerton. <laughs> I finally succumbed. Does um, do the historical inaccuracies in Bridgerton wind you up? Oh, look, or there's a lot more Saturn than what there would be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but overall, it's it's not. It's not too bad. I mean, admittedly, every time they waltz, I go, oh, they don't waltz for another, you know, 30 to 50 years. But, um, <laughs> I love it. But, um, you know, it it doesn't stick out because so much of it is, you know, based in realism. Like they give it a realistic feeling is that it all feels very natural and it, it is quite interesting in how they've done not so much colorblind casting as just not going oh, okay we have to be you know quote unquote historically accurate by having all white actors in choosing to go no we can have people of different um heritage backgrounds but they've then made that as a bit as a part of the story, and then yes, I did then watch the prequel Queen Charlotte, and that really comes into it as well. It, it's quite interesting as this almost alternative history, in a way. Um, yeah. So yes, royalty. You can add that to my um, geekdom trains, Star Wars, Survivor. Royalty cats. The the knowledge in the in your head, Catherine, is unbelievable. We, we had the pleasure of Catherine's company for a few days earlier this year, Andy, and we went. We visited some stately homes around the local area where I live, and the knowledge bombs that Catherine was dropping. I was just like. Well, these things are on my doorstep. I ain't got a clue. And she's telling me like, the full family history of everything that went on in these places. It was unbelievable. I, I, I believe you. I believe you. We spent, you know, we all spent some time together in our, in your and my capital city. Um, yes. Uh, back, back in April. And I was being told about certain things about our capital that I had no idea about from this young lady. <laughs> So, um, so I was like, yeah. "Okay, fine, fine. If you ever, if you, if you ever sick of your job, come over here and become a tour guide because you'd yeah. be brilliant at it. You absolutely yeah. would be brilliant." 
well, I did um, give uh, Brittany a bit of a walking tour of uh, Westminster Abbey and some other bits and pieces around. So I, there just comes a point where I just realise, hang on, I've been talking for a long time and people are just <laughs> nodding. <laughs> Like we had a friend's um, Christmas gathering and it came up, you know, someone asked about, well, you know, Church of England and, oh, who are the Protestants? So, yeah, I then started. I (laughs) then started because they were like, oh, isn't that because of, you know, King Henry or who are the Lutherans that I could just, I I just kept talking, talking, and then I went, oh, yeah, I'll, no one's listening anymore. <laughs> Bless you. I love it. I think, it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Well, you know, if we can't geek out about stuff, what's what's the point, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me on this New Year's Eve. What a way to spend New Year's Eve. It's quarter to 11 here and at some point fireworks will go off, I suppose. Um, But, yeah, I haven't had a better New Year's Eve in ages. So thank you very much, boys. Absolute pleasure. Loved it. Always, always loved hanging out with you guys. You're a legend, Catherine. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Now, where can the good people of the internet find you if you wish to be found? Oh, uh, places. If if you want to listen to um, two articulate Americans talking to <laughs> two northern idiots, um, probably twice a month. It's not as regular as it used to be at the minute. Uh, check out scruffy looking podcasters we're supposed to be a star wars podcast but we do talk out <laughs> a lot about other things as well um yeah. yeah that's where you can find me and you'll find me following chris so wherever chris, <laughs> is, <laughs> wherever chris is you'll normally find me not far behind having a bit of fun with with him and his best mate kev so um that's where you find me. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're in the UK, uh, you'll you'll more than likely find me, Andy and Kev at a, a Brian Potter toy fair up and down the country <laughs> at some point throughout 2020. Uh, 20, where are we? 2024. Yes. Kev is a very happy boy at the moment because um, Forrest won against Manchester United. Yes, massive, absolutely massive win that we needed yesterday brilliant he's probably he's probably also quite happy because his fiance is in the uk at the moment as well but you yes. know forest forest his fiance <laughs> who knows who knows it's a good it's a good weekend for him <laughs> yeah well thank you so much and that geek pod will return <laughs>